Bonjour and bienvenue to Lulabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and this is a place to come to keep your Frenchy vibes going and help you lose yourself in France without even leaving home. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live in Australia, in France and right around the world. And we share ideas of how to stay connected to the Francophile within you. Now today, my guest is a beautiful friend who has known my partner Paul for over 30 years. She also shares our Fabulous love of France. Welcome to Little Bell's Francophiles, Kate Bryant. Ça va? Ça va bien. Très bien. Now, Kate, you have been to France a number of times, and I want to hear a little bit about a particular experience that you've had with a type of vacances that I am dying to do, and that is a barge holiday in France. But before we get to that, tell me, where has your love of French things come from, do you think? That's a good question, Lou. I think... um... I was lucky enough all those years ago when I was nannying in the UK and I was working for a family um, and they had family in Paris and it was that moment where you just think, oh, I really like this place. (laughs) And that was probably the first time. And then that family actually bought a house in the south of France in um, a village called Mm Lourdes. And I just remember it was a fantastic house, swimming pool, but at sunset every night that house looked over the village of Lourdes and it would just turn the most beautiful salmon pink that was a, a lot of oh. memory so and I think it was the whole introduction to the way the French eat and how fresh all their food is so you know locals were bringing us um tomatoes that you could tell had just been picked off the vine like they were still warm oh. there was still had still sunshine on their skin it was that introduction to food as well so since then there's been a number of trips mm. for different reasons and different regions that introduction to France, I think, would have been something that would clearly solidify your love of that way of life. It sounds to me, and yeah, yeah I, and I, I think get it completely. It's also so simple. Mm. I was actually, I was actually just sharing this with Paul, your Paul. Mm. One of the best meals I ever remember was a tiny little cafe in the um, in the Marais. Uh, it was a very very old cafe. A number of philosophers had uh, had eaten there and they actually still had at the back of the cafe a bunch of cupboards where people like uh, famous philosophers who would go there would have their own uh, napkin, knife, wow. fork, you know, and desilvered mirrors. Anyway, the meal was a lamb shank that had obviously been done in over an open flame, mm. a parsley mash, a bottle of Bordeaux, and followed by a poached pear. Oh. And, and it was the simplest meal, but, oh, my God, I've never forgotten it. <laughs> I love that. One of my favourite meal ever in my whole entire life was a very simple meal in France too. It's just the way that they take the time mm. with their food. They mm. really honour the food in a different way. Yes. There's nothing rushed about it, and you can taste that. That time that they spend yes. it gives a depth of flavour and to yeah. me, I feel much more reverent eating in France, I think, than I am when I'm here. <laughs> I, I devour it just the same, but it has a different kind of sense right. of importance or something over there. Yes. So yeah, you're right. recent, most recently you had a beautiful holiday in Gord for a friend's birthday and it was just before Paul and I were taking off to travel around that part of Provence and we were absolutely beside ourselves looking at your holiday posts knowing that we were heading there soon. Tell me about Gord. What was that like with the whole group of you staying there? So, we, yeah, as I said, we were there for a significant birthday and there was nine of us. Mm. So 
arrived in Denise, picked up a couple of people movers and headed off to Gord's, staying at this fabulous old farmhouse, Masdejos, and it was just set in an orchard, lavender fields next to it. Mm. I mean, it was just out of a postcard mm. and sort of the foothills of Gord. So we weren't staying actually, it was a farmhouse, so right. we weren't staying in the But um, first day to Gord's was market day, so mm. you can imagine just... I, I still look at this turmeric coloured salad bowl that I bought in those markets mm. and I use it a lot and I look at it and it just takes me back mm. to that day in Gores and just picking up the best food, cheeses, cold cuts and bread and, yeah, very easy. So there was a lot of good time spent at the house and lots of visits to lots of the villages around. So off to Aix, mm. um, Bonnieu, uh, my favourite, favourite village is Lumahan. And Lumahan is this tiny, quaint little village. And we were going there primarily to have lunch. And I'd have to say it was the best salad niçoise I've ever, ever had. Oh. And it was hot. And this Cafe Gabby uh, sort of spilled out onto the almost the roadside. And we had this big table of us. And it was just the most delightful afternoon. But this place is also famous for um, what they call uh, lavender wands. Um, There's a famous shop there run by a guy called Philip Frank and they make the most beautiful looking... uh, A lavender wand. Is that where they do the weaving with the lavender? Yes, yes. So it's called um, Fuseau de Lavande and it's where they actually take a particular type of lavender, mm-hmm. so it's one that's actually far more fragrant. They take a certain number of lavender stems with the buds still on, and then they put a ribbon around the neck, the the head of the stem, just below the buds. Mm-hmm. Then they fold the stems back in over. So as they bend the stems back over the lavender buds, trapping the lavender buds inside, and then they weave the ribbon through those stems. I've seen those before, not to buy, but I've seen them in photos and things like that. They look stunning. So they smell divine too, clearly. They smell divine. They look like they almost look like a baby's rattle in the mm. end, but the the colours of the ribbon are just exquisite and some of the designs are just sublime. I mean, at this particular shop, uh, Le Petit Le Marin, they're very expensive, mm. but apparently it takes an hour just to make one. Okay, so, so they're, they're labour-intensive then and they're probably worth every they're cent. They're labour-intensive, yeah. Yeah. So another thing you did on that trip was a barge holiday. Now, I don't know if you've watched Rick Stein's French Odyssey where he travels along the Dordogne River and he goes from Bordeaux all the way to Marseille. He goes, he goes through the Languedoc and the Dordogne and through the Canal du Midi as well, I think. It's just the most magnificent-looking holiday and I'm obsessed with this series and I've watched it a number of times and I keep putting the episodes back on, especially right now during this time when we can't travel. Tell me about your barge experience after Gord. Yeah, so we did the trip from uh, Béziers to Trebes, south uh, east, and we picked it up in Béziers and there was nine of us. So it was a very, very large boat. It was 15 metres. <gasps> so wow. Just, we did it through La Boat. Was it on a canal or on a river? On, it's on the Canal du Midi. Oh, on the uh, yeah, way. And we were just doing that section mm-hmm. from Béziers to Trebes. Mm-hmm. 
and then um, picked up the boat, like had a lesson on how to drive it. It's huge. Well, I was going to ask that. Did you get a driver and a no, crew or you guys we, did that we, yourself? No, no we, we self-drove, yeah. Um, wow. And, you know, you've met Tim, my partner. Mm. He was extremely adept. There was a couple of times where he parked that baby into such a <laughs> tight, tight uh, parking spot and, uh, I don't, and he didn't manage to ride off the boat, so that was <gasps> good. Um, part of the trip is... Uh, visiting all the villages, obviously, along the way, mm. but it's also about the locks. Mm. I was going to ask you about the locks. So did you go through the locks that I've seen on television before? Did you go through them where the water goes up and down and yeah, through all of that's that? Yeah, that's how they work, mm. yeah. So you've got to, and you've got to be there at certain times. Oh. There are certain times on the way, you know, in one direction and there's certain times in the opposite direction where the locks are open and operating because you've got a lock master. Mm-hmm. So you can't just anytime you want and go, hey, let me through, you have to be there. And so sometimes there'd be maybe three, four, five boats all lined up ready for the lock to open and to move through and then they, and obviously then they close the gates. So the most famous one on this particular part of the Canal de Midi is the um, Fonserene Steps, which used to be way, way back. Uh, I think it was something about nine locks. They're now six so it can take it took a good couple of hours to get through all of those locks. So how long does it take for each one? Well, it depends. Um, they're all different and it depends on how many of them are there. So some of the locks, for example, we'd have three boats in a lock. That's all you could fit. And that would happen, say, on the Fonseren steps. You know, you're doing that for each lock. Yeah. So it can a really long time. Some of them can take a really long time. And you've got to do all your ropes and we're all jumping on and off the barge and doing our ropes and all that. So um, it can be time-consuming in some aspects. And the other part of it is trying to get into some of the bridges mm. because there's bridges you come into which is very, very low. So everybody literally had to duck on board the boat. Oh, really? So you're, you're that close mm. to the bridge mm. that it's going to be a problem if you actually don't all yeah. duck down. So can you stop and hop off at different villages? Oh, yeah, because you're driving the boat. So all you have to do is to call in where there's either, there could be electrics. Some of them, um, the stages along the canal will have electrics. When we got to Treb, we we couldn't get any electrics, but that's okay. What do you mean by that, where you can connect to the electricity? So you can actually, yeah, there'll be like a power box there. Like imagine a caravan in a caravan park. Yeah, that kind of thing. So you can actually connect to their power. Mm -hmm. So that's great the air conditioning on because it was pretty hot when we were there. And then you can get off and wander into the village, go out for dinner, and we had all of our village stops organised for meals and restaurants that had already been pre-booked mm. because it's a very busy time of the year. So you need to actually uh, be ahead of the queue. And we would buy our food in the villages and uh, wander around and, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you that. Can you cook on the barge if you choose? Yes, yes. We had um, cooking facilities. We had... A couple of different types of, of a full-sized fridge. We had ice boxes. It was very well kitted out, oh. very well. And each um, cabin had its own ensuite. Oh, fabulous! It sounds like a first-class way to see it was. the area. It was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it was beautiful. And there were bikes that were on board the boat as well, so that when you got to villages, we could take the bikes off and then all ride in. So, could you take the bike off sometimes along the canal and ride alongside while the boat's going alongside? Yes. Oh, yes, of course. Fantastic. Of course, yeah, because you move at such a slow pace. 
Like you could easily ride a bike and be keeping up with the boat. Probably beating the boat in some way. Yes, you could be beating the boat. You could be beating the boat. Yeah. And how long were you there for? How long did your barge stay go for? So that's a week. That was a Saturday to a Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Did you find that that was long enough or about right? No, it was about right. I think it's about right. There's a, it, It's quite physical um, and obviously, yeah, buying the food's no no biggie um, mm. and eating at night's no biggie. But um, it's quite physical and you're in relatively cramped conditions mm. and this was a big boat, but you get to see a lot of the same faces as mm. they're going in the same direction as you and you'll be in locks together and it'll be a shout-out to them and mm. how's it going and how you're doing. And so it's, you get quite a bit of a community on the um, on the canal. The funny story was one day we called into a village. We were going out to a uh, olive oil fabrica mm. and it was about 38 degrees and it was a two-kilometre hike. So oh. we started off. Now, one of our mates has MS. And it was too hot and she needed to rest. So she stayed on board the boat and her husband started coming with us and then thought, oh, you know what, I might just go back and stay with his wife. Thank God he did. But we trekked out to this olive oil place and when we got there, because we picked up the Wi-Fi, our phones all started going ping, 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 and there was a message going, mayday, mayday, boat adrift, hurry back. So oh. we- Trying to jog back in 38 degrees heat is not easy. So anyway, we got back there and sure enough, the boat had come adrift um, because it wasn't a proper mooring station and the boat was holding up everybody else coming in either direction down the canal. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and it's not good because, as I said to you earlier, that you have to bear the locks by a certain time. So if you're holding people up, they may not make it through. So it's... Yeah, it's pretty important. Uh, so so they would have all been, you would have been the worst in the world. They would have been beside themselves. I don't think we were popular, Lou. No. no. I think they were all very grateful to see that we'd return and we were able to get on board and move the boat and get it out of the way. That Was the olive oil worth it? We were, we were in such a rush that only one of them got to buy the bottle. There wasn't time enough for all of us. After all of that. <laughs> After all of that. I don't oh. Now, would you go again, do you think? Would you go for a longer one if it wasn't with so many people? Oh, no, I think the people made it. I, our group was just such a great group. So yeah. it wasn't about that. I'd certainly go with the same size. Um, would I do it again? I wouldn't not do it again. Um, I think it's just one of those things that it could be an experience you've done. You know, I've got lots of experiences I've got to get through. So I highly recommend it. It's loads of fun. Mm. And then, of course, when we got to Treb, we got to go to Carcassonne as well. So (gasps) I must admit there are so many people who, when I speak to them about their wishes for what they want to do when they can travel again and go back to France, who say, oh, I really want to do one of those barge holidays. They look fantastic. They're loads of fun. It never occurred to me that that'd be quite physical, though. That that was something that I hadn't really considered. So that would probably be a reason why a week might be enough, I think, for me. Yeah, like you're jumping off, you're doing the ropes, you're, um, you know, getting stuff on board. There's nobody there to go and do your shopping for you. And then there's nine of you, you're carrying a fair whack of wine. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, Sustenance. You know. Yeah, so there's, there's jobs to be done and you've got to keep it clean and, you know, all the rest of it. So, but, yeah, it's it's thoroughly good fun. I can't tell you how delicious it is just to sit on the hull and just be just gently gliding down the canal. All those plane trees, it's, it's picture postcard stuff. Yes, 
It sounds just, just idyllic. And fantastic. Like so, uh, Lester May had one of the biggest bookstores in it. Like it's it's an antiquarian bookstore and my husband is a voracious reader. I thought I may never see him again. <laughs> I thought he would in and he may never come out. You know, stuff like that, mm. that you just meander around and then you get back on, sleep on the boat, off you go the next day. And you don't necessarily go, you know, great distances each day. It's just that you're travelling so slow so the pace of life slows down and it's just very, very relaxing. Mm. Do you know, I think sometimes the things that you find when you are travelling, the things you don't plan and the little snippets that perhaps the locals tell you to go and visit or see or just things that you stumble across can be the wonderful memories that they're the things that give the character to a holiday and mm. what what you recall later on things like that bookstore that you couldn't have probably planned that but it's just there and it's no. what you remember mm. no. and it was just um we had so much fun and i i bought a couple of like little posters from it and it's just always that memory you've got mm. you know i know what you're like with your you know little things that you collect yes. and the memories you bring back and yes yeah I bring things back that are flat, that I can pack easily. I always take an Australian post tube, you know, a postage tube Mm. with me because one of the things I have collected over the years are those table mats that you have at cafes and from Le Deux Magots and from Café de Flore in Paris. I collected those and rolled them up and brought them back and then I framed them and they're now on the wall. And so those sort of things, you actually can fashion a memory out of it. Like sometimes it can be particular flowers that you've picked and you've pressed or leaves that I've picked and pressed and then, you know, I frame them. So I just don't have enough wall space for all the stuff that I frame, but that's that's a whole other problem. (laughs) Yes, that is the problem. Yes. You'll need to move into a French chalet. So you've got enough water. Oh, yeah, way, to the fay. That's where I need to go. Now, I know you listen to the podcast, so you will be aware that I ask a couple of questions regularly to each guest. But one that I don't ask every time, but I do like to hear the variety of answers I get. Can you paint a picture of your perfect French day for us? Oh, my perfect French day would start off on a hot summer's day. It's going to be a, it's going to be a hot one. Mm-hmm. But it starts... And that sort of early morning part of the day where it smells great, you're out in the country, if I was in Provence and I can smell all those smells and I have, you know, something really simple for breakfast and then you start on your touristy day, end up going somewhere fabulous for lunch, a nice crisp rosé with lunch, mm. back afternoon in the pool, you know, pre-dinner drinks and then something very, you know, again, simple, clean, fresh French food uh, for dinner. I mean, everybody thinks French food is really always heavy and saucy and all the rest of it, but it's not necessarily. They eat lots of things that are very simple, very fresh, and that would be my best day. And then, yeah, just to sleep on top of a bed on a hot French summer's night, I would love that. (laughs) It sounds fabulous. I agree Mm. with you about the fresh food. I think it's something in the provinces You see that a lot more, you know, the fresh produce at the French markets. They are so different anywhere else that I've ever travelled. The freshness there. And the price is ridiculous. Like Mm. it's, you know, what we pay for here compared to some of the cheeses that you get, which are just such fantastic quality and so delicious. And they're not necessarily, they're not that expensive. No, no. I'd love to be able to bring them all home. Unfortunately, you know, we're not allowed. Yeah, you'd be a bit. 
You'd be a bit smelly by the time you got <laughs> Those dogs at the airport would be all over me if I had a bag full of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I do adore a beautiful French cheese. So one of the questions that I do always ask is, tell me, whilst we're talking about food, what is your favourite French food to either order out or, or maybe it's one that you like to cook at home? I like to cook it at home and it's ratatouille. And I think if you can make a really good ratatouille slowly, um, it's not fast. That's my favourite. Either hot or cold, either way, I just love it. It's, mm. um, yeah, just delicious. And it I, and it reminds me of the flavours of the south of France. Wow. I love a ratatouille. My friend Sarah, she was just sharing with me not long ago about all of the courgettes in her garden and she was mm-hmm. showing me the pictures and, oh, and I could almost felt like I could smell it through mm. the photos that she was sending to me. But it's just it's such a beautiful, fresh dish. It's just beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yes. Do you put a chicken stock in yours? No, I don't. No? I don't actually do a chicken stock, no. So maybe... Um... That's my own version. I, I always like to make a, a fresh chicken stock with a chicken bones and then throw a bit of chicken stock into my ratatouille. I've made a number of different ones. However you make it, it's delicious. So what would you put in yours, the veggies? Oh, so it would be um, aubergine, courgette and uh, fresh tomatoes and then probably passata mm. and onion, garlic. Yum. We will share a variety of recipes for ratatouille because I think that we'll probably find a few different versions mm. on the internet. So we'll look for one that we can share on the website. Now, the second question that I always ask Little Bell's Francophiles podcast guests is, do you have any French music or a French music artist that you would like to share with us? Well, I do, and I particularly love this song. It's by Françoise Hardy, and mm-hmm. it's uh, Le Comte de la Mort, and it's got a real sort of 60s beat to it, and it's, it's a great song. Love it. I love Françoise Hardy. She's just quite sensational. The way that she, she's quite revolutionary for her time. Oh, really? I haven't really looked into her background, but I just love her voice and I love the stuff she sings, so, yeah. Fabulous. Well, we will listen to that, Le Temps de l'Amour by Françoise Hardy. Thank you so much, Kate, for your fabulous chat today. I'm really looking forward to getting back to France. Clearly, everybody is, but I'm really looking forward to one day doing a barge holiday and I didn't know much about it except for the kinds of things I'd seen on telly and Rick Stein's version and clearly his version is the one that looks all so beautiful and lovely and no fuss where maybe the reality is a little bit different but it sounds to me... Oh, no, don't get me wrong. It's still lots of fun. It's well, still lots of yeah, fun. That's what I was going to say. It sounds to me like the effort is well worth it because yes. it is sounds like it's a, a gorgeous, relaxing and pretty authentic way to experience that part of France. Absolutely. I would strongly encourage your listeners, if they get the chance, do it. Mm. I'll also share some links for companies that might assist with barge holiday bookings. I will look that out and I'll put some tips for that on the Little Bells Frank Files website as well. Fantastic. Sounds good. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you. Au revoir et à bientôt. Au revoir. Hey, here is Francoise Ari with Le Temps de l'Amour.
Françoise Hardy, Le Temps de l'Amour. Now, Françoise Hardy is a French singer and songwriter, mainly known for singing melancholic, sentimental ballads. But Hardy has been an important figure in French pop music since her debut in the early 1960s. Her career spanned more than 50 years, with over 30 studio albums released. After she rose to prominence, she differentiated herself by writing her own material, which was quite rare for female singers at the time in an industry that was dominated by older male composers and producers. She was France's most exportable female singer of the era and released music sung in English, Italian and German, in addition, obviously, to her native French. I love her sound. So thanks to Kate for suggesting that song today. I will place the link for that song, as well as some recipes for Kate's fave French food, ratatouille, on the Lubelle's Francophiles website. You will find links related to the rest of our chat today on the website too. Just go to episode 46 in the blog. Alors, c'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui. That is all for another Little Bells Francophiles episode. I loved travelling vicariously with Kate today, conjuring up images of a fabulous barge holiday floating along the Canal de Midi. And I hope you enjoyed it too. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Little Bells Francophiles on Insta and head to the Little Bells Francophiles website as your place to stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir, mes amis. Bon jeûne et à bientôt.